Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast. I am Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution, and today delighted to be your podcast host for this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution creators of Fuse. Fuse is the insurance marketing software that will skyrocket retention, boost policy per customer, and make your clients love your agency. Without you having to hire more staff, programmers, or technologies, technologists, if you haven't done it lately, please do yourself a favor. Visit agencyrevolution.com and request a demo of the software that agents and brokers are raving about today. Again, I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast, where it's my job to connect with the people who are helping to change, reshape, and lead this wonderful industry into the future, and to discern and dissect the information you need to thrive in that future. Today's guest is an encore guest um, and brought back, uh, well, just because he has so much great information. Um, My guest, Chuck Blondino, was the Director of Agency Capabilities and Programs for Safeco and Liberty Mutual. Um, And now uh, he's the author of a new book, The Remarkable Insurance Agency. This is a practical conversation. So those of you who are truly responsible for the growth in the independent agency sector, whether you're a principal or marketer or what have you, Chuck shares actual practical strategies that are proven to work in real life agencies. Chuck's been through the front door of thousands of agencies. He's trained thousands of agencies and um, well, he just has a lot to share. So in this conversation, we talk about how these remarkable agencies generate up to 700% more referrals in the industry average at a 70% closing ratio, the grow, uh, growing role of the marketer in the modern insurance agency, um, why people are the disruptors for the independent agency, not just technology, um, and um, the simple quote-unquote trick that these 11 agencies that he studied and interviewed for his book um, how they boost boosted retention, an average of almost five points and kept it that way year after year after year. So that's a lot of long-term growth. So if you're serious about growth, you'll want to pay attention to the practical tactics and strategies that Chuck reveals in this conversation. Uh, for those of you uh, who are serious about growth, ask you a question. Do you have your growth plan in place? Do you want a reliable path and plan for growth? If so, uh, I do offer a couple of options for 2023, for the upcoming year. And now is the time for you to make a decision about what your agency is going to look like in 2023, how it's going to be different, and how much bigger it's going to be and what you're going to do to make that happen. 
for those of you who um, are are serious about growth, I offer two options. One is I have limited seats available in uh, our Level 5 Mastermind program, or two, I also have very limited uh, seats available in my private client group. So if you're interested in either, please reach out to me either on LinkedIn or Michael at michaeljans.com. I also have a an updated version of my ultimate LinkedIn marketing toolkit. If you'd like a copy of that new version with some um, uh, the the chapter, the section of the toolkit that uh, of given the most attention to updating is the beat the algorithm part of the toolkit. So if you're on LinkedIn and you want to get the most out of it, ask me for a copy again, reach out to me on LinkedIn or michael at michaeljans.com. Also, one last request, if this podcast has been of value to you, uh, if you'd be kind enough um, on the platform of your choice, Apple or what have you, leave us a five-star review. I'd be very, very grateful. Now, without further ado, it is a privilege for me to introduce you to this conversation with my longtime friend, agency advocate, Chuck Blandino. Chuck Blandino, you are back for your fourth podcast with me. Um, but we've had many, many more conversations in the real world. Um, yeah. and so I, I know you quite well. You've been to the house. As I recall, once upon a time, I think we, you were a guest at our home, spent yep. the night. You even stayed over one time. Stayed yeah. over one time when you were doing some biz for Safeco in the central Oregon area, back when that was my stopping ground. And, um, and then the, let's see, the last time I saw you was in Arizona, my new stomping ground, um, at an IAOA conference, as I recall, that was a couple of years, Chuck. So it's, first of all, it's terrific to see you again. Uh, secondly, I am super excited about this conversation because th- there are not too many people that I think I could have this conversation with people who have dedicated as many years as you and I have to the success of the independent agency system in a, in a strategic, but also tactical and granular way. So I'm excited about that, but quite possible, uh, hard to believe that quite possible that some of the audience doesn't know you or know you quite as well as I do. So tell, tell us who's Chuck Blondino now. And, and that's a, a question from me too. Okay. Cause you, you once upon a time, not that long ago, had a different role in the industry. What's up? Tell us, yeah. give us your book. So, well, I'll give you a, a couple of thoughts, both uh, recent and really early, because I think both of them play into how I'm such a weird character to be so independent agent focused on growth after a 26-year career with Liberty and Safeco. Um, l- lately, I, I graduated in uh, January of 2021 and spent the last 12 months writing a book on uh, the Remarkable Insurance Agency, and it's uh, partnering with 11 different agencies about how they, uh, uh, with interviews, actual results, actual marketing pieces, about how they're doing, how they're getting these results that are so extraordinary compared to the rest of the industry. And Michael, I think the other thing that I would share with you is, how does a guy have such an entrepreneurial spirit 
out of a 26 year career with a carry. How about that? <laughs> way, way long ago. Here's what it is. Before I turned 20 years old, I opened my own business. It was carpet dyeing and cleaning, uh, fire and flood restoration. I left Seattle to go to Salt Lake City where I didn't know a person. I didn't know the culture. I'd never run a business before. And in 18 months, I built it up to six trucks and an eight-person phone room uh, with my team, obviously. Um, But I understand the world of (laughs) having everybody relying on your effort for their paycheck, having uh, uh, the dreams and, and the hopes of what a business, what you want it to be in the beginning to give you the freedom and the financial stability to go do anything that you want to do with your life, and yet find yourself bogged down completely with the chaos of daily running the business. And, and some people have a hard time even escaping that to get to that sense of freedom. And I, I've always had this drive to help people realize that dream and have the business become what they always wanted it to be rather than this feeling of having a tight uh, or a straight jacket on and knowing that you're trying to juggle all the balls at, at the same time of running this business and creating great service and yet watching your dreams just silently fading farther and farther away because you can't get out from under it to work on the business instead of in it. So that's, that's always been a, a part of who I am to, to want to provide the hope and the encouragement to help people grow. Well, we're, so I'm really weird that way, but yeah, that's, that's me. Not so weird. The kind of guy I like. So <laughs> uh, before we move on, Chuck, do you recall the first time you and I met? Uh, was that the in the conference room where he asked me to leave? Yeah, you're like, get out of here. Just about kicked Chuck, Chuck Landino out of the room. So, yes, I'll, I'll tell my memory of the story is I think it was a break during one of our annual boot camps. Might have been one of the earlier ones, yeah. but there were a few hundred yeah. agents there. And uh, we're walking down the hall, and this nice-looking guy turns to me and wants to introduce himself. Um his name's Chuck Blondino, and he said he was with Safeco, and I went, "Whoa, okay." And, and I Not think an I, I think I, I think I pulled you into the, like one of the side rooms, and I said, "We got to talk." Yep. Which <laughs> and, means you need to leave. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, okay." So look, it's on me because you know apparently we made the sale, right? So we sold you a ticket, you know, <laughs> but maybe we didn't ask where you were coming from. So my ethos in the early days was. You know, boot camp was a like a safe place for agents only, like a pure, like purity. <laughs> no, Absolutely no, no impurities yes. allowed. Uh, and so agents could talk freely and they could talk about carriers freely and, you know, so on and so forth. And, um, and but you made a promise to me, you know, your promise was that that you would, um, you know, use use the information that you learned ethically. Um, and indeed, you know, over the years, you and I developed a strong and lasting professional relationship and no doubt um, lots of customers have flowed my direction because of Chuck Blondino. So I'll ever be grateful for that. And then uh, with Agency Revolution, we ended up with a formal relationship with Safeco uh, because of your efforts. Um, And uh, I almost kicked you out of the boot camp. (laughs) Yeah. And do you remember the other part when I slid across the sheet of paper to you? 
Oh gosh. So that, that, that. So <laughs> the, the, I slid a sheet of paper across to you with the names of 18 agencies yeah, there you that go. had recently joined uh, <laughs> right. um, Quantum Club with nine of them that were attending with me at the conference. Yeah, there you go. Right. So, so it's been, yeah, a, hopefully, yeah, it's been, it's been, been a great relationship for me, hopefully for you as well. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and I hope that, well, yeah, you opened my eyes up as well. Yes, I did like the idea of people being able to share freely, but you know what? It never changed the conversation. So since then, uh, you know, we just relaxed that regulation. And then, yes, Safeco started showing up and Liberty started showing up and Westfield. And uh, of course, you know, we ended up with a long and deep relationship with travelers and then mm -hmm. up in Canada, you know, we secured an endorsement from Aviva. So the carrier relationship ended up being quite important to the growth of our business. Um, and it took me almost acting like a bouncer. Uh, <laughs> I'm the, the failed bouncer <laughs> that, that got us in that direction. So, um, I went, I'm going to start by asking you a question, but I'm looking at my notes from our earlier conversation where you said, and I'm pretty verbatim on this, Chuck, I'm kind of a copious note taker, that you have seen, quote unquote, wild things happening recently, um, that people are testing the limits of what digital can do and sometimes not seeing the results of what they'd like. Um, and well, you made some other specific references with some very attractive numbers <laughs> like 70% close rate and a three to point three to nine point boost in retention lasting over 17 yep. years and so on and so forth. So, but I, I'm going to ask you the same question that I ask, I think most of my guests, because this is my format. I'd like to start out by, by asking you, you know, where do you see this going? Uh, you know, you, you and I, we've seen the independent agency system for decades um, and it's changed a lot. I mean, certainly the premier agency of 1995 is very different than the premier agency of 2022, 2023. Um, yep. Yeah, there's some things in common, clearly, but <laughs> I, I have a feeling if, if the principle of, you know, the 1995 premier agency walked into an agency now, he or she would be quite bewildered and baffled about the challenges that are in front of them and the obstacles, the changes, the new technology, the pace of change. Uh, the changes in consumer behavior, really, it is a very different environment. So that's my question. Where, where, where do you see this industry going? What are the trends and forces that are changing it? Well, I think one of the uh, great, great starting point, I think uh, before COVID, there was such a feeling that if independent agencies could just get up to speed digitally with their relationship strengths, they could compete with anyone. Then during COVID, as people started saying, okay, I've got to figure out this work from home thing, and we've got to get some extra computers and extra monitors and set up people at home. And then they started finding other digital efficiencies. And lo and behold, the independent agency system started getting up to speed digitally. The, the challenge today is that, and I'm, I'm calling this just a testing digital phase because uh, the people that are cutting edge, that want to be first, the innovators, the first responders, they want to get ahead of the curve. And so they're trying all this different stuff. And Michael, I saw something this morning. It was another uh, picture I'm fascinated with AI paintings, right? Artificial intelligence paintings, right? 
And then later this morning, I see an ad for artificial intelligence created blogs used by a variety of well-known companies outside of the insurance industry. Um, And so as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, well, it, it, it lends itself to this really uh, fatal statement where agents have said, I have a hard time writing a blog. I have a hard time staying up on my communications. I have a hard time doing the marketing things that I'm hearing people say work. So I'm going to sign up to have someone external do it for me so I can check the box that it's done. And some people are even going to the direction of I'm going to have AI do this for me, do the writing for me so I can check the box and consider it done. And the the scary thing for me is that um, it's scary because it looks so attractive to have external or AI do it for you, but there are not the results that are being delivered by having a marketer internal on staff. And by so so when so I'll get to those to those numbers. In the book, I partner with eleven remarkable agencies. There are many more than that that are out there. And I sent out a couple of dozen requests. Eleven said yes. I'm willing to share interview results and examples that I have inside the book. But the the results. What was fascinating as I put it all together is these agencies are averaging seven times more referrals and they have sustained it between seven. I have five of them that's been doing it for seven years, five of them that have done it for a dozen years and and one that's been doing it for 17 years. They have sustained seven times the number of referrals as a group. So it's it's an average seven times more referrals every month with a 70% close ratio on those referrals. And then the other part is in retention, as a group, they've grown anywhere from uh, three to eight points. I think some agencies have grown as many as nine points in retention. This group sustained over that length of time, 4.85% increase in retention. Uh, and, And they're doing it through communicating their stories. And when I say that, they're talking a lot about what they're doing in the community with their referral partners. They're doing it with stories about their people, uh, uh, the funny stories of what's happening with their kids, moments in the community. That's not the kind of stuff that AI can do for you because that's just doing writing as a, which is probably wonderful writing, but it's not stories about the experience of the people in the agency. And that's what gets missed with either AI or an external marketer that isn't able to get the information from the people of the agency so that they can write the kind of story that's needed. So I, I, I boil it down to the results. Look, if AI and external marketers got those kind of results, I don't care. I, I don't care how they do it or if they do it because I, they do it the way I write in the book. I just want them to get the results. Yeah, got it. 
So, uh, so I'm going to circle back to like the original premise that um, that you've been witnessing people doing "quote unquote" wild things, uh, and so presumably, so let, let's put this into context. Um, last year, for example, there was 16 billion dollars of venture capital that was invested in the insurance industry. Uh, it, between property casualty, life, and health, the majority of it went to property and casualty. Boom. Oh, okay. So, you know, those of us in PNC, we start to pay attention. That's, you know, kind of our fundamental anchor. And then between the, in functionality, claims, underwriting, or distribution, the majority of it went into distribution. Oh, wow. Gosh and golly. Uh, so that that does seem to indicate that the venture capital community sees that there are opportunities for disruption or innovation or efficiencies, certainly for sales and traction in property and casualty distribution. Well, you and I could say, as well as probably 99% of the listeners of this conversation, oh gosh, that's my space. And so indeed, uh, it's it's not unusual for a client of mine to say that, they or their gatekeeper gets a call like at least every single day from a tech vendor. Yep. Right. Now, um, clearly there's a role for tech, but I, I, I but oh. you, you made it, you made a, uh, a reference to like the, you know, the, the super early adopters, you know, the, the innovators, yep. um, they, yeah. Hey, look, I, you know, have, having, run as you know as the ceo of a tech company for about 10 years uh, i know i know they're out there um (laughs) you know they're the crazy ones who like they want to they want to grab everything new i loved them they 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 there's no tech company that survives those first you know few years or few few first few months or few years without them uh they have generally have wild expectations about what tech can do they'd like it to 10x their agency um, there, yeah, there, there are some out there, no doubt. Uh, they've, they have all made some purchases that didn't work out. In general, when you, like with these 11 agencies, uh, do you see that they, um, uh, are they effectively using technology for their growth? Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that you can't use uh, technology to improve your efficiencies, to have a better website, to have some automated response campaigns. Uh, th- those things are all great, but it can't be done with personality in a vacuum, with missing the vulnerability. Um, sorry, it can be. It can be. And what happens if you do it with without the vulnerability and the personality and, and talking about the character and the caliber of the strength of the people that are on your team and how much you appreciate mm-hmm. them and how much you right. appreciate your local community and all these kind of things. If you do it, then it is a highly competent tech agency that is not getting the results that could be delivered if they married that personality with the tech. Okay. Right? Uh, yes. All right. So, so, so that re- that reminds me of like my favorite Steve Jobs quote. I'll see if I can pull it roughly out of the air. Um, and I, it, it was a guidepost for me when I was running a technology company where he said, um, it's not technology alone. Technology alone is not enough. It's technology married with the humanities and the liberal arts that makes the heart sing. And I went, oh my God, yeah, this is the CEO 
of, at that point, certainly one of the largest tech companies in the world, talking about making the customer's heart sing and recognizing that the technology needs to be married and merged with the humanity. So I think that it sounds like that would be like... I hadn't that, heard that before. Yeah. But yeah. I hadn't heard that one before, but that's perfect. Yes, uh, exactly. there, there, there you go. If I, uh, you know, I should find that quote for you and I'll send it to you because I think that really <laughs> summarizes um, the importance of both elements in the independent agency system. I mean, clearly, this agency, this industry is benefiting from good technology. And I'm not saying all technology is good. I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, 20% survive, 80% of tech companies usually fail. They, they fail for a lot of reasons. One is sometimes because the technology is not that good or the solution is not that good. And sometimes the company is not that good. Or sometimes maybe they just launched early like I did and they didn't have enough cash to sustain it. Fortunately, you know, I, I got lucky and this was before venture capital. It's not so hard now. So, so uh, the, you know, clearly the technology as, you know, it is a contributing force to the growth of this industry, but also in, in our sector, let's throw the, throw the other sectors aside. We don't have to talk about the direct channel. You and I don't even have to talk about the captive channel. We don't have to talk about the pure digital channel, but on our channel, uh, it does. I mean, clearly, the strength is the people. Um, the it, it, you know every every bit of research that I've that I've been able to consume, and in my own field research of you know twenty five years, it it clearly seems that the appetite of the consumer that's best suited for our industry values a relationship with the people. Yeah, yes, a hundred percent. They they value the the relationship with the people. But let's look at something just a little bit deeper. What's so fascinating to me about this is that the clients are waiting. They don't know it yet. They, the clients themselves don't know it yet, but they are waiting to become advocates, admirers, lovers of the agency. And be, because when the whole industry, Michael, is averaging approximately one referral for every 750 clients, is, that, that uh, is the average across the board um, in is, the industry. Is that per year? That's per month. Okay. Per month. Okay. Per month. Okay. And if they're smaller agencies, 500 or less, they're going to have better than that because the person who's writing all the business knows every client they're, they're writing. They're still on the, right? and they're, so, they're on the friends and yeah. family program at that level. But yeah, you yeah. get up to the, yeah. get up to the point but where you've when, got, let's say 7,500. Then yeah, yeah. Like, so you're saying then if they're 20 work days in a month, uh, once every two days, somebody's going to call and say, oh, my friend Chuck told me to call you. Because you get 10. If you have 7,500, right? 7,500. I'm sorry. (laughs) So, so yeah, one out of every 750 once a month. Yeah. And so So now you take that. And when you start communicating a little bit, when you may not be consistent, you may not be doing something every single month, but you have a referral program, you're tying the referral program with with rewards to charity, you're talking about what you're doing in the community, you're giving the clients something other than the knowledge of what you sell. You're giving them some other story to tell to someone else about you 
beyond the fact that you're knowledgeable, you give great service, and you've got all the products needed to protect, protect them, right? If you give them something else to say about you, about the kind of person you are, about the dreams that you have, about why you're in the business, what, what is, why are you in this community? What is it about this community that you love? And you give them something to talk about, they will go out of their way to share that. So here's one of the funny things. The, some of the agencies said to me, Chuck, we believe, we see your results, we believe what you're saying, but just to be sure, we're going to go ask our own clients what it is they really want to hear from us about. Now, if you're a client that's been there for five years, a year, a decade, whatever it is, and the only thing you've ever told them is that you're great at service, what do you think the clients respond to in the survey of what do you want to hear about from us? Right on. About your service. Yeah. It's, a, it's the Henry Ford quote, before there were automobiles, if I asked my clients what they wanted, they would have told me faster horses. It's the same thing. It's like the only thing I ever hear from, they have never known a remarkable insurance agency. Now, when they go to a remarkable insurance agency and they feel the love for my staff, for my clients, for my community, for the nonprofits that I work with, they're like, mind blown. I never knew it could be like this. I will go out of my way to tell anyone else about you. And what starts happening at that stage, uh, when they are occasionally marketing, it gets down to one referral in every 250 clients. So a tripling of the number of referrals. Right, and right. when they are amazing, when they're remarkable, and every month they're consistently communicating, it gets to one in every hundred. So seven times more referrals every single month. And the close ratio on referrals, instead of getting a piece of paper with four names on it and phone numbers that you have to, they're all cold, you don't even know, and you suspect the person has never spoken to them about you, they're just giving you a name because you've been asking for referrals. They're giving you a name and a phone number. You got to follow up. That 10 to 20% close ratio on referrals jumps to 70%. And it's so, so can you improve your efficiency with digital? Absolutely. But if you're not getting one referral for every hundred clients, you've got every month you've got room to improve and you should and you should start tracking so you know that answer. Oh, yeah. There's okay. only about they, they... 50%. <laughs> right. There's only about 50% who actually track those results. That's uh, 50%. So 50% sounds a little high to me, but let's set that one aside. The first time I the first time I did it, it was a 25% answer uh, that they were tracking. The second couple of the last 2 years we did the big survey, it came back at about 50%. Right on. So, so it's improving, but I still don't think it's where it could be. Um, okay, so boom. I, I, I'm going to see if my head math works out here. So let's take that agency with 7,500 customers. And so now, instead of uh, getting what, what were the, the um, how many how many referrals are they getting? Instead of one, um, let's see. So that would be instead of ten per month, right? Uh, now they're conceivably getting 70 per month, 
boom, because they're getting <laughs> one for it, right? And they're closing. It went from one. Yeah, they're cl- went from ten to thirty to seven. Yeah, but let, let's um, um, as they graduate. I like to think everybody can get up to the good. You know, let's so let's get them okay. up up All to right. up to the seven times. <laughs> so they're getting one per sure, hundred. Yeah. So so they're getting seven hundred. Uh, let, let's uh, so instead of getting ten, they're getting seventy referrals in a month, and so. Yep. During the, uh, if they're closing 70% of them, they're getting 49 or let's say 50 new customers in the month. If they're closing 70, so boom, they added 600 customers that year from referrals. I'm going to add on to that. Yeah. Compared compared to to 20, 10 to 20% of 10. Yeah. Okay. So boom. Yeah. yeah, They, they, they're, they're adding 600 referrals or 600 new customers. Because uh, they're picking up 50 in a month with an agency that's got 7,000 or 7,500 customers. Not bad. That's not bad growth. Here's here's some of the magic there from a marketer's point of view. Two things. Because they're basically, there are two equations that we really want to pay attention to. Cost of customer acquisition and customer lifetime value. So cost of customer acquisition, you can't do better than referrals. Now, here's the magic that I learned in my conversations with Bain when they did research on referred parties is that, you know, you get a referral from a loyal client, right? So what they discovered was that the, the newly referred customer you run an NPS score them like on day one, they are a loyal client. They're going to give you a nine or a 10. Well, when you have loyal client, loyal clients also deliver seven times the lifetime value because they're giving you more referrals. They're giving you more policies per customer and they're giving you like a, you know, a nine or a 10 gives you a 97% retention. So Boom. Right. Yeah. If you can really, you know, I had this conversation with a, a new client earlier today, um, you know, where I asked him, as I often do, how do you get your new customers? Oh, we get some referrals. And I said, have you ever turned it into a business system? Well, what do you mean by that? Oh, well, it's when you look it's at that as program. Yeah, like turn it turn it yeah. into a turn it into a program, turn it into a business system so you can like you you, yeah. you realize that there's deal flow there. Well, now let's just break it into little chunks, make sure each chunk is is fully optimized and turn it into a system so it runs by itself with as little management as possible. Boom. I mean, for a lot of people that's as simple as it seems. It, that's a it's it like you said, if you can sustain this for 10 years, <laughs> you'll, you'll look back and say, gosh and golly, 10 years ago, I made the best decision I ever made. Um, okay. So um, I'm, I, I want to ask you, I kind of want to circle back uh, just uh, to my core question again about where you think it's going and how it's different. What do you see as the... Um, uh, the critical qualities for an agency principal, for leadership in an agency, in order f- for them to not just survive, but to really thrive in the environment that we're in right now. And how is that maybe different than it was in a previous year? I don't know, Michael, how it's different, but here's some of the critical things that I would tell you. (laughs) Maybe you would know more than me how different it is based on what I say. The first thing I see that that a leader would needs to do is give themselves time to think. Uh Uh-huh. Because that's not happening. 
It's it when 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 you del- walk in the door, Michael. I've walked in the door of over forty five hundred independent agencies. Yowzer! And when you walk, <laughs> when you walk inside the door and you sit across from their desk. And they're trying to convince you. You're trying to convince them. There are things they can do to grow. They're trying to convince you that they are so busy. There isn't any more room on the plate. Whatever they add will spill off. And they try so hard to convince you of that. Right. And and until you get to the point where you say everyone's got the same 24 hours here, I have a handful of agents that are doing things differently you would need to change a few things differently. One of them is give yourself some time to think and start to dream again about what you want your future to be. And, and, and from that point, it is, if this is where you want to go, what is it going to take to get there? And it usually means hiring a marketer on staff because that was the common theme among the agencies in the book. You and I have talked about this so many times. I know it's it's the last survey we did was 62 or 63% of the right. high growth agencies having a marketer on staff. And so you need, look, if anyone wants to multiply their efforts, the secret of multiplying the growth of an agency is to hire more people. You can, you can do the marketing, you can go digital, you can have some efficiencies, but you can't be the sole person responsible for all those things I just said. You've got to have some help or you're going to go crazy and you're going to be trying to convince everyone that you have no more room on your plate, let's, right? So I, let, let's, let's talk about that role. Uh, my premise has been, yeah. you know, since, since we started having these conversations that the marketer is the fastest growing new position in the insurance industry and in our mm-hmm. section of the insurance industry. And I think Chuck, if we turn the clock back to the, let's say those early quantum club days, you know, and you showed up at a boot camp, um, I, my best guess is one to 2% of those who were loyal clients of mine for years had a marketer that most of them were when they were able to, and they were, you know, kind of inspired and and juiced up. They pretty much did the marketing themselves. Boom. Uh, Then Mm -hmm. over time, uh, more and more of them realized, oh, you know, there's a lot going on here. I got social media and now there's maybe a technology like agency revolution or something like that. And, you know, and, and there are things I just can't get around to. And maybe step one for a lot of them was, uh, Hey, Sally, CSR. Okay. Do you, do you think you have time to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that? And Sally, you know, maybe she's a millennial or something and she's like, yeah, I'm on social all the time. I'm happy to. So they start out with maybe a part-time insider and feel a little bit comfortable with it. And then at some point maybe go and actually get a, a, a genuine marketer on their team. Um, And so now we're at a point where um, for uh, high-performing agencies, it's way, way much, you know, more common for them to have one than not to have one. As I recall, like you and I, we spread those um, those surveys, those uh, those three uh, podcast interviews that we did over a period of maybe four to five years, and it grew from mm-hmm. like the maybe the the the, num- the number of top tier marketers that had a marketer or had the top tier agencies that had a marketer, it was in the like mid forties to the mid fifties to like, I think you're right, right. like 63%. And that was, mm-hmm. that was a year ago or more. Um, and so that number could be growing. 
that being said, I don't know if you realize that uh, I, in a guidebook I wrote, the four stages of the marketer, the modern insurance agency, I referenced Chuck Blondino. Um, I, I referenced <laughs> Chuck uh, um, because basically because the, the the data, the research that Safeco and Safeco and Liberty did um, that demonstrated the growth in that position, I thought was remarkable. And congratulations on that. I also then yeah. discovered a problem. <laughs> I, the problem that I discovered was that a lot of agencies were, were hiring, like agency principals were hiring a marketer, and yet they weren't marketers themselves. And so there was often yes. a gap between the um, vision, the skill set of the principal and what the marketer was supposed to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so yes. that's actually what inspired me to write the guidebook, the four stages, so people could realize, oh, marketers do different things and marketers have different skill levels and skill sets. And so Sally CSR, who's like doing eight hours of marketing a, a week with some social posting is not nearly, you know, the sophisticated marketer. Somebody has been in the industry, the marketing industry for five or seven or eight years, uh, has a, some mastery of uh, email campaign design, uh, landing page design, um, and uh, content creation and the the effective use of uh, contemporary technologies and 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 maybe even be in a position to make strategic recommendations on growth opportunities to the principal you know so you, you kind of get what you pay for so you have to realize that but you also uh, uh, um, the principal really needs to have some sense of what a marketer can do and strategically where they should be lined up in your agency and where you should be expecting to see them move the needle, right? And so you, you've made references to, to places where marketers can easily move the needle. More referrals, yes. More retention, higher retention, yes. More policies per customer, absolutely, yes, right? So you know, like in my model, even a marketer one, you know, I've got, that's the second stage, marketing assistant to marketer one. In that model, even a marketer one can like, you know, can can really handle a lot of the stuff that increases that loyalty with the existing book of business and then, you know, turns that into higher revenue. A little more sophisticated to, um, to get into the customer acquisition phase, you know, to build to build funnels that attract new people, um, and to be able to sure. do that that is that's the hardest skill in marketing is customer acquisition. But in in you know so far what you and I have talked about is that you know for for an agency who's relatively new to marketing, if they have a book of business, they have plenty of work to do in front of them if they're well guided because they can do do some critical things to th strengthen their relationship with their existing book of business. Yes. And and Michael, you and I have also talked in the past about how your focus has always been on getting agencies to their peak level. And mine has just been getting agencies to start. <laughs> and so my focus, right. my focus on uh, getting marketers, I don't, I, um, I don't know. There are a couple that may get to your top tier marketer, but um, but most of them have just gotten started and they're just trying to 
keep the referral program going, keep the communication consistent to do, you know, add one more thing, not 20 things at a time, just add one thing at a time, take it at your own pace. There's a few things that I, that I would also share with you, Michael, that are, that I are reasons why I wrote the book. One of them is that for, for the agencies who have said, oh, I tried that. I tried a newsletter. It didn't work. Well, it's because of what, what your content was. And you, your, 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 your marketer and maybe your personal lines or your commercial lines manager came to a workshop. They drank from the fire hose for six hours. They got all excited. They came back and you said, yes, we'll do it, but we're going to do it my way. We're going to talk about what we sell. Every article is going to be about sales. If we're not selling, we're going to be implying about sales. And, uh, you know, this is going to just be another, uh, if we're going to put something out there, it's going to be a sales piece. And, and you didn't, it didn't raise referrals. It didn't raise retention. And so you just said it didn't work. So I've got a whole chapter on content with over a hundred different ideas on how to generate organic content. I've also got a section on communication that talks about what is the percentage of business stuff versus, you know, insurance. It's okay to talk about a a little bit about what you sell and some stories and maybe some safety tips and stuff like that. But that is such a minority of the content. And I've got percentages for what's the percentage of business versus personal. And I don't mean lines. Let's let's talk about uh, uh, product content versus vulnerability content. Okay, let's call it that. The, the different percentages for those, for newsletters, for e-newsletters, for social media posts, what you should have on your website, how much of it should be uh, for staff biographies, business versus vulnerability and, and, and personality. Um, and so it, it, I've got those throughout the book because you can definitely check the box and say you did these things and not see the results. And I don't want that to happen to the people that, that are ready to get started. I think the other... Let me just share one other thing. There's two other studies that I've done recently, one on 50, I would just call them average middle of the road agencies out of 50, less than half of them have a photo of themselves anywhere on the website. Over a year of social media posts, less than half of them have a photo of themselves anywhere in a social media post. I took three of the best of the group that are, I mean, Michael, they are putting out eight to 10 social media posts um, a week. Some of them even more than that. There are positive thinking memes. There are insurance tips and safety news, certainly. There are product solutions. There are National Donut Day, National Pet Day, uh, Veterans Day. Um, but, but there's nothing about the people of the agency for a client to point at and connect and say, that's why I'm proud of them. Not because they remind me it's national donut day or the fact that they love veterans, which is, you know, amen. Love that too. But, but there's, but tell me something about you as a person that I can point to and say is different. Um, so it's, it's shocking how far there is yet to go. And yet it gives me so much hope because if the independent agents do this stuff, they can 
dominate the marketplace and have the financial freedom to go play in any tech realm that they want to play in. So that, uh, that's what I'm hoping to help people get to. Uh, it's um, it's a, a little bit of a bastardization of the Steve Jobs quote. Uh, it, it's not newsletters alone. It's newsletters combined with the humanities and the liberal arts that makes it, yeah. right? Yeah. Or social posts so. or whatever, right? But I think I think, yep. I think a, 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 a core element of the Chuck Blondino philosophy is that yep. the, the strength of the agency is it's the human. It's the, it's the people. It's the people. And, um, and, you know, if, if you look closely at this industry, it, it's not the, pro- it, it is not the product. I have products all over my desk. Here's a coffee cup I like, or a hat I like, right? Um, when, and I, you know, like that, I'm loyal to that cup. Um, n- nobody, nobody knows what's in their insurance policy. Nobody reads their insurance policy. When it shows up in the mail, it might get filed. It could be on a square file or a round file. Uh, but there's, there's no relationship with the, you know, ironically with the, with the product of the industry itself. Um, you know, not the way we think of like a, a, an emotional relationship. However, you know, the, it, you know, again, this is one of my premises is that, you know, we had a lot of people in this country, 330 million or something like that. And some of them are not well suited to this industry, but some of them are really well suited to this industry and value yeah. what this industry has to offer. And generally it's that peace of mind that comes with, I got a guy, right? I have a, I got an agent or I got a person or I've got somebody that takes care of me. And I think you're arguing effectively and strongly that, that, hey, first of all, we've always known that. Like back in the early days when you were sitting across the kitchen table and selling an insurance policy, and I know I'm going yes. back generations on that one. I mean, clearly, boom, you know, there was that sense of I'm a person. Or if you walked into the little neighborhood agency that was on main street and you know you saw the guy right or you saw the team real people and you made your cash payment okay well we're beyond that and the consumer is way beyond that so what do we do about it oh well we can you know i I think what you're saying is we can use these technologies even if they're a newsletter or an online newsletter or an email you know series of emails or uh, various parts pieces of content that make us human, people respond to that. Now I've got something that my heart can attach to. I've got real people. Correct. And you know what? I like them. They watch out for me. And so um, it, it, it fills that gap that the, uh, that the industry product itself doesn't fill. And the rewards yeah. um, are, I mean, you know this from your experience at Safeco and Liberty. I know this from my experience in just working with clients, the rewards of that philosophy and that strategy are huge. And as you had mentioned, they're sustainable for decades. Yes. And I think, Michael, I might even sum it just a little different, not, not differently, just one more point to that. In, in any commoditized industry, and I don't care if it's carpet cleaning of being a florist shop, an accountant, or an insurance agent, the people are the differentiator. I would even say in our industry, independent agencies 
their technology will get them to the plate where they will continue to win, but it, it but it is the people. Not only are they the differentiator, they are also going to be the disruptor. I I love the term disruptors. What's the next disruptor in the insurance industry? Oh my gosh! Let me tell you what. If all these agents were communicating and having referral programs and and sharing their vulnerability and who their their human side. That is the biggest disruptor because what what would happen to the twelve billion dollars of ads in the auto industry that's going out right now and and suddenly everybody in the ins- independent insurance channel is going up four point eight five points of retention, getting all these referrals every month, closing seventy percent. What would happen in every one of those? large companies spending that much money, they'd be calling the marketer, the person designing their ads on the carpet and saying, what's going on? I'm not seeing any results for this. Not only am I not seeing results, the independent agents are growing while we're throwing this much money out at advertising. And that would be the disruptor that I would just be so thrilled to see. I, 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 I can see that happening if people will get out there and just start the marketing and the communication so that they can then get that financial freedom to go do whatever else they want to do to have fun in the industry. I, I can see it happening. I know it is possible for people. Tell us a little bit about the book. And of course, I'm, I'm going to um, encourage everybody who's listening. They got to get a copy. You got to get a copy. If, if you, if, if you believe I bring value, uh, hopefully, to your life or to your business, this recommendation has value. Get Chuck's book. So now tell us a little bit about the book <laughs> and how we can get it, how, how listeners so, can get it. Yep. It's called the, the Remarkable Insurance Agency with a subtitle of Increasing Revenue While Having Fun with Clients, Community, and Marketing. It is only available today on Amazon. It can only be found on Amazon in paperback. But if you type in either Chuck Blondino in the Amazon search bar or the Remarkable Insurance Agency, the book will pop up there. Bingo. Um, yep. And so the, uh, I, I think that <laughs> I first talk about trust and differentiation because before I get to the chapter featuring all 11 of those agencies, because I think if you go straight to the chapter about the agents and you don't understand why they're talking the way they are and sharing the stories that they're sharing, you're going to miss the whole point of the book. So I start on trust and differentiation. I end the book, though, Michael, on coaching, finding your spark, setting goals, finding your why, because Michael, 100% of the people at our workshops said they wanted to grow. At the end of the day, 70, uh, 70% of them would sign up for a five-week workshop that was free. At the end of the workshop, 15% of them would continue. And at the end of a full year, seven of, 7% were still doing it. That speaks to how challenging it is to step out of the daily role of chaos in an agency and go and do the marketing yourself. It, it, it is sustained when you hire someone to help. So I talk about hiring a marketer. I talk about tracking. Um, I, I speak to uh, what, what, how do you teach a marketer? How do you guys get on the same page? There's even a chapter um, 
thanks to uh, Megan Pembroke at uh, uh, McLean Insurance, mm -hmm. they give their monthly marketing calendar and, and how they set it up. And she's doing 20 hours a week to sustain that marketing over 17 years. So I think there's some amazing things that can be gained, some wonderful stories and uh, some real opportunities, I think, for the future of the independent agency channel. All right. So for listeners, hop on Amazon and type in Chuck Blondino or the Remarkable Insurance Agency. Yeah, and that's then, it. And then hit um, buy now. <laughs> All righty. Uh, Chuck, you, yeah. So before we wind up, um, you know, I, I, I will often ask somebody what, like, if you were going to leave a sort of a, a billboard size message, non commercial message to the industry, what would you say? I think you've already said that so articulately. Um, your philosophy comes across very, very, um, very clean. Uh, my last question, what's next for you? What are you up to? What, what's, what does the next year have? Yeah, well, uh, I just did my first speaking, speaking engagement outside of, um, uh, outside of working with Liberty and Safeco. I'd love to do that more. Um, uh, <laughs> what, what I used to do in an hour or six hours in a workshop is drinking from a fire hose, throwing slides at them, 130 slides every two minutes. I'm throwing a new idea. Mm, yeah. The book gives them a chance to, to sip from a teacup at their leisure uh -huh. uh, as much or as little as they want to consume at a time. Um, but I, but I think the, the speaking, I'm starting a blog. You can, uh, I've only got two posts up right now and I'm, and the website is terrible, but I'll improve it. Is, but, uh, is your website, Chuck, is it Chuck Blondino or what's the website? Chuckblondino.com. Bingo. Chuckblondino.com. Right. There you go. Yep. And so, uh, <laughs> I'll be featuring more posts on there for helping agents grow. So really the blog and speaking and some possible coaching opportunities. I have some people that want me to look at their list of their communications and share, you know, give them a critique and share some feedback. So I'll be doing some of that as well. Terrific. Well, Chuck, as always, been a pleasure catching up with you again. Uh, wonderful to see you back in the industry or to know that you never really left, even though it kind of looked like you did for a while. Um, yeah. And I'm sure we'll do this again soon. So once again, that'd be great. Thanks so much. And thanks for all you do, Michael. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. 